1: So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.
2: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast.
0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for a mindful moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. Tensions have been running higher than I can remember for a very long time here in the U.S., and all centered around the presidential election. Fear seems to be everywhere, and anxiety has gone through the roof. Many other countries around the world have gone through this before, but I think this may be the first time here that one of the big fears is that our democracy is at stake for the first time since the Civil War. So first, we all need to take a deep breath. Breathe in through your nose to a count of four, and exhale to a
1: count of eight. In, two, three, four, out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.
0: At the time of this writing, which is just one day after the election, we don't know who won. That, of course, could change before this podcast drops, but even if we do have an answer by then, it doesn't appear it will go unchallenged. We may not know who the next president of the United States is for certain for weeks or even months. Regardless of who wins, the presidency has far-reaching implications across the globe, and there is probably at least some anxiety outside this country as to who is pronounced the next leader, whether due to economic impact, trade, military, immigration, and even technology issues. It's probably safe to say that between a global pandemic, civil unrest in various hotspots around the world, and great economic uncertainty across the earth, none of us really needed one more thing to feel anxious about. Our brains are basically scared now. And scared brains, unchecked, release stress hormones that only add to our feelings of anxiety. While we've talked quite a bit about anxiety over the past eight months, The requests for support and tools to cope continue to come in, so I sat down for a chat with an expert from New Zealand this week who has a therapy practice in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Dr. Sharon Kennedy holds a B.S. in Industrial Organizational Psychology, a Master's in Educational Psychology, and a Ph.D. in Cognitive Psychology from Massey University in New Zealand. She also holds a postgraduate diploma in psychological practice. She has taught thousands of clients how to successfully manage anxiety, stress, and depression. She loves helping people learn about and understand their amazing brain so they can make sense of the way they think, feel, and behave. Her ultimate goal is to teach people how to stay calm, capable, and confident even in the face of fear and confusion, chaos, and problems. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: That's lovely to be here, Teresa. All the way from Abu Dhabi.
0: Yes, so far away. I think that's, you're our first from there, I must say. I I believe that is easily true. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate you joining us today because I know that your area of specialization is really, or one of them is anxiety. And there is so much anxiety everywhere in the world right now, between all of the world events and the shutdowns and the pandemic and politics and everything else that's going on, but what I wanted to ask you first is a person who's feeling feelings, whatever they are, how would they know if it's anxiety or stress or if they need to call a doctor or like, what What really is the indicator that it's anxiety and what is
2: anxiety? Hey, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I mean, I guess we know it's anxiety because it's always there it's just in different degrees so all of us have anxiety so sometimes it's just a natural response to something it's a bit stressful sometimes it's something that's a little bit higher or something a little bit scarier in which case we feel a little bit we feel the anxiety much stronger Mm. so what is anxiety it's just that feeling of fear that we translate in our bodies often in a way that we talk we think so much about it, it becomes quite stressful, and we can get lost in that thinking or lost in the feeling that becomes even more stressful as we deal with it. So does that kind of help you a little bit in there? Does that answer that question? It does, absolutely.
0: Well, because there is a physiological response, which is creating Mm. a lot of that feeling, what's Mm. really happening in our brains when we're anxious?
2: I guess brains, because brains are generally reason-giving, problem-solving brains, or the frontal part of our brain is always trying to make sense of things. It's an interpretation of how we feel. So if you think about anxiety as being based in fear because that's the only emotion that's in the anxiety, when it becomes heightened, then we have a brain that's trying to make sense of it. And then, then the thinking becomes, kicks in, and then we can start to overthink or overanalyze or become distracted or find it difficult to concentrate. So any of those things happen in our brain because we're trying to make sense of the feeling. And that would be why so many
0: people must feel anxious because it's hard to make sense out of a lot of what's happening in the world today. What, what's the number one way that you feel is effective in managing
2: anxiety? for me or in, i think for most people the most the number one way of managing anxiety is quite clear and that's to use breathing because if we use our bodies and calm ourselves down by breathing deeply that's conveyed to our brain and it's conveyed to that part of our brain that really isn't doing all the thinking it's conveyed to that part of our brain that's fearful or 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 just stressed. And so using breathing is a really good way to anchor into your body and even bypass all that thinking. Because if we can bypass that thinking, how much easier is it to calm down? So taking, using breathing into to calm our body quickly shifts that, that brain that's afraid. And it does it without us thinking, which is even a bonus, because then we don't have to think ourselves into the breathing. We just have to breathe (laughs) and be with that breath. So for for me, I'm always saying to clients, this is the most wonderful thing you'll ever do. And it's the most wonderful thing because it's always there and you can always use it.
1: Beautiful.
0: And and so true. Of course, in mindfulness, we do that all the time, but I have so many clients that when something happens like some sort of an event that really triggers anxiety they hold yeah. their breath you know yes. they tense up and hold their breath and like no let it let let it flow let it out
2: <laughs> yes yes yes
0: now i know we do something very instinctively that keeps anxiety going or even makes it worse can you talk a little yes. bit about avoidance
2: ah avoidance yes <laughs> this is what we love to do <laughs> avoidance is a bit frustrating because it's quite it makes sense to avoid things that hurt. And fear or, or scary thinking is, can be hurtful or it's scary. So it's natural to want to move away from it. It's natural to kind of instinctively move away from it. So instinctively, when you do that avoidance, it's not going to help. In fact, it makes things worse. So people might move, avoid things like, just like we do, we might avoid situations we don't like, or we might avoid people we don't like, we might avoid things that we don't like, you know, spiders and snakes and a few of those horrible things. Or we may even avoid asking people for what we want. And sometimes we even avoid our own thinking, and some of us even avoid our own feelings. So anytime we move away from some of those things, and it is natural. It makes it harder for our brain to manage anxiety because it never knows that that it can be okay. So naturally, we all are going to instinctively do the very thing we don't want to do, but we do. (laughs) And And (laughs) helpfully.
0: Yes. And and, and is that then the solution is face it or accept
2: it or you know how do you shift that around so that you're not yeah (laughs) well these are good words face it sounds a bit scary i mean it does (laughs) (laughs) it would be nicer to think of it sort of as 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 a sort of a turning towards rather than flipping away from it or even sitting with it a little bit rather than saying i have to face or i have to accept or i have to Because you don't want to be getting into a fight with your brain. (laughs) You kind of want to be on the same team as your brain. So being able to say, hey, you know, (laughs) let's just kind of have a little go at this and see how it feels is a bit more exploratory, a bit more curious, a bit more gentle than saying i have to face it
1: yes exactly. <laughs> yeah?
2: exactly. or even i have to accept it because that's hard too it's very very hard i so, agree
0: I agree. Yeah, and, so, I, and i think
2: well, we try to tell uh, or try to teach that
0: you know you can just like just take a little look at it like an, an observation so i like that you said curious because that's one of the things that we do really suggest you don't have to stay in it you don't have to force it. You can just take a little peek, step back out if you need to. So, yeah, so I totally agree with a much more gentle process.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's important to remember in here, if you've got a scared brain, and we all have scared brains at times, the last thing you want to be doing is forcing it or getting critical with it or or getting pushy, or bossy, or any of that stuff. It's a a kind of a gentle, you know, let's do this together. (laughs) Let's just try this little experiment and see if it works, because then it often does, but it's very hard to do if you're a bit strong about it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Why do some of us have higher levels of anxiety than others? Um, That's an interesting question. (laughs) I mean, we... uh, I mean the thing with anxiety is it's always there it's just on different levels for all of us all of the time so which is true for all emotions i mean if they're going up and down that's actually quite healthy but if if you have higher levels of anxiety for too long that's not so cool it doesn't feel good and it's it's an uncomfortable place to be um so why is it higher probably because we like I just said, the, I mean, the most important thing with anxiety is not that it's there, it's so much that we actually, or what we do that keeps it going. So we talked about this when we said avoidance. So when you know you're avoiding things, you know that it's not going to be helpful in terms of managing anxiety. And equally, the other important thing is is the thinking we have, negative thinking, that, that stuff that just sort of churns around in your head. So those two factors are going to give us higher levels of anxiety. So if you having a higher level of anxiety, these are good things to look at. But I mean, you will have it anyway if you, um, have you learned it maybe? Because it's a learned, a lot of this is learned, yeah. And so if you modeled yourself on someone who's anxious, maybe you, you tend to pick up on some of those thinking habits or, some of those ways of responding to situations. So it's easy to learn it, which means that you can unlearn it. So this is the good thing, because you can unlearn it. I guess there's, and um, this is not my area of expertise, but I'm sure there's some neurotransmitters that are responsible for this. And there's external stuff that, of course, obviously makes us more stressful at times. So there's a few things in there. But I think the problem mainly with anxiety is we would prefer not to have it. And so we tend to fight against it. And that's quite problematic. Whereas if we can be a little bit more open with it or a little bit less fearful of it, then it's not quite such a struggle. It's not quite so high if we don't do that.
0: I know that one of the other areas that you talk about in your practice is flexibility. And I'm
2: wondering if you could share some information about how, how can we be more flexible or how does that help us? I mean, that's an interesting question too. And that comes out of the work from um, Stephen Hayes, who did acceptance and commitment therapy. So this is talking about having a flexible brain, I think, which underlies a lot of that work, which is kind of saying if you're less restrictive in the way you expect things or or the way you talk to yourself or the way you deal with what's going on around you, if you're a bit more flexible, you're a bit more open-minded. There's more room in there if you can be a little bit less demanding about should things happen or you're a bit more routine, if you're a little bit less strongly focused on routines and things, if you can make them a little bit flexible. All of flexible thinking allows you to kind of be able to anticipate, not even anticipate, but manage things that don't fit in quite so easily. In other words, when things go wrong, if you're a little bit more flexible and you're thinking, you can cope so much better. If you're not able to adapt, it's harder. And so that makes it really difficult. It's really adaptive. And it, if you have a flexible approach to things, then you're able to cope with stress and chaos of which there is plenty in the world. Yes. absolutely. <laughs> And so it's, it's a cornerstone really, because if you can do that, you can manage different feelings. You can manage different behaviors. You can manage the unexpected much more easily than if you have a a much more fixed mindset. Well, one of the things that we do on
0: every podcast, when we have a guest is we want to reinforce to our listeners that whether you're an expert or whether you have every tool in the toolbox available, Everyone has anxiety, stress, some kind of discomfort at different points in time. So we always ask our experts if they will share what their go-to practice is when they personally are experiencing those feelings.
2: And of course, I'm going to tell you, I love to breathe. <laughs> yes, <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> Because it just works on so many levels. yes, <laughs> And it's such a lovely feeling. Sometimes it really brings you back to base, and it it's just a lovely practice. And you can have it wherever you are, so it just feels so nice and safe to have that. Do you have a a, a formal practice like breathing in three times
0: or deep breathing, or how do you do it to get yourself to come back? I don't want to say
2: down, I, but
1: calm down, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think I have a formal practice. Sometimes I like to sit and do meditative stuff, but just for breathing, I just like the, because I do it a lot with my clients anyway, so I'm very comfortable with it, and I enjoy it, so yeah, just a deep belly breath, a really deep, slow one, it feels so good, yes, it <laughs> and does. you can do it, you can do it day and night, so you know what, that's a bonus, <laughs> absolutely,
0: absolutely, and and I appreciate that, because I think a lot of times people think when they hear mindfulness, or mindfulness meditation that it has to be this very formal practice for it to work. And so we are always encouraging people, just breathe, just pay attention to your breath for a couple of minutes. And it it makes such a huge difference. It's such a powerful technique. So
2: I I agree. agree. It's amazing. Yes. Well, I want to thank you
0: so much for joining us. And I know our listeners will appreciate your tips and information about anxiety at a time when we're all experiencing more of it than normal. I hope that people pay attention, and if they are too anxious, that they seek help.
2: And I want to thank you for your time. That's lovely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm, I appreciate it. It's wonderful to talk from so far away <laughs> and connect with you so far away. So it's been lovely. Thank you.
0: I truly appreciate that Dr. Kennedy's best advice to reducing anxiety is the simplest thing in the world. Just breathe with intention. That is the core of mindfulness meditation. Focus on the breath. Use the breath to connect with the body. Recognize that when our thoughts are all over the place our brains can't always help us, but our bodies can send a powerful signal to the brain to calm down. I think an important factor that came up in my conversation with Dr. Kennedy was about the importance of flexibility. An easy litmus test to determine how flexible our thinking might be is to simply pay attention to how many times a day lately we're saying the word should. They shouldn't behave that way. He shouldn't be president. We should have an answer by now. When you hear the word should, it's a big red flag that you're in judgment, which is rigid, not flexible. We create a picture in our minds of how things should be And then when our outer reality doesn't match that picture, we tell ourselves that it has to be wrong and we resist being open to a different picture. The main point being, of course, is that it's a picture, a made-up story we visualized into an image. But that doesn't make it true. It's still made up. The more flexible we can be, the more open-minded to even a tiny possibility of alternatives, the less stressed and anxious we become. Now, of course we're anxious, and according to Dr. Kennedy, we're always anxious, so it's not about anxiety itself, but about the level of anxiety we're experiencing. While she suggests that avoiding the uncomfortable feelings or thoughts we're experiencing doesn't serve us well, she also mentioned that it's normal to try to move away from them, as well as situations or people that stir up anxiety. But there's an aspect to that which we can use to our benefit during times of high anxiety, Like this election. While we don't want to avoid what makes us uncomfortable, there are behaviors that we can change right now to ease our anxiety. Put down the devices and step away from the television. Listening to the constant rhetoric, second-guessing, accusations, arguments about what is or isn't true, and absolutely unfounded predictions about what will happen in the world based on who wins an election is absolutely futile not to mention trying to understand what the purpose is of the Electoral College or why we have it. It just generates massive anxiety. Stop watching, listening, and reading about it. We've performed our role. We voted. Now we can step back and recognize that the process will unfold however it is going to unfold. It is out of our control. It doesn't matter what politicians say, what news anchors say, what conspiracy theorists say what is posted on Twitter, Instagram, or the local community news bulletin board. None of that will change the outcome. Instead, we can breathe, connecting to our bodies in order to better control what our minds are doing. We can be patient. Why does it matter if we find out today, or next week, or next month? We will eventually find out who the next president is, and if we have anxiety about that outcome, We can deal with it when it actually happens. There's a quote I love that has been attributed to multiple people that goes like this. Worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Similarly, Leo Buscaglia said, Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. I'm not saying you should ignore issues or take no action or not plan ahead. But when we have no factual information, we can't take effective action. Worrying doesn't accomplish anything other than creating more anxiety. Live today. Stay in the present. Remember that everything else is only made up stories, whether yours or someone else's. We can instead focus on all of the blessings we do have. Love our families. Care for our friends and community. And remember that whatever the situation is, It will pass. Remaining calm and focusing on today will only strengthen our resiliency and leave us better prepared to handle whatever may come in the future. Please wear a mask and stay physically distanced from others for your health and theirs. And be kind to yourself. Thanks again to Dr. Sharon Kennedy for joining us today. Check out her website, including her blog, at c-b-t-a-b-u-d-h-a-b-i-dot-a-e Find a comfortable position and close your eyes or
1: lower your gaze. Breathe in. One, two, three, four. Hold for one, two, three, four. 4 Exhale One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Breathe in One, two, three, four. Hold for 1 two, three, four. Exhale One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Breathe in one, two, three, four, hold for one, two, three, four, exhale one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.
0: Now take in a deep cleansing breath and sigh with relief.
1: Have a wonderful week! Life offers too many rich opportunities to
0: just survive it even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. We encourage you to meditate every day, be mindful in your daily activities, and please stay safe and be well. Until next time, please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A mindful moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music: Retreat by Jason Barnham. Outro music: Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Media Right Productions. Breathwork music: Angel's Dream by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is
1: produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.